I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Okay, so first off, these stories are 100% true. Most were told by family and friends through the years. Along with some of my own encounters in the rural mountains and ridgelines of my county. Of course, as with all creepy stories to give you a good scare, take them with a grain of salt. However, I must still say that these stories are as real as me sitting here writing this up. I hope you all find these as interesting as I do. I have grown up in eastern Kentucky for several years since the age one my family, both sides. I've grown up in the rural Appalachias their whole lives as well, but as with modern times moved to the small town nestled here in a valley situated in between rolling hills and deep ridge lines. Where the following stories take place is a rural area nestled deep in the Appalachian Mountains. It's got a name and it's considered a county. However, the area where my dad's family grew up in within this area, and where these stories come from, is more like a collection of deep ridges and mountain folks than anything else. Just to clear up any confusion that this is in an actual town. 
During the early days of the settlers, these mountains were home to the Cherokee Indians' many cemeteries in this area. There's actually around 30 to 40 graves of Native Americans buried there, marked with stones and rocks. Rather than a more traditional Indian burial routine in the 1800 George Washington, aide-de-camp Cole Grayson was bestowed upon him a 70,000-acre piece of land, which now is where my town is located at today. Story 1. In the 1970s or 80s, my mom and her aunt, along with her small cousins, were driving in an empty road just outside of town when they created the top of the hill. Where an abandoned farmhouse stood, they stopped their car in its tracks when they saw a massive hovering saucer-shaped craft hovering over the house. Frightened my mother and her aunt booked it out of there at a high rate of speed, scared they continued down the mountain back to town quickly, however, when they looked in the Riverview mirror. They saw the craft coming after them at a high rate of speed, tailing the car and keeping up with it. They attempted multiple times to evade the craft, but to no avail. It chased them for over a mile back to town until finally just at the edge of the county road that leads back into town, it finally disappeared. My mother has told this story at least 100 times to family and friends, most of which believe her as they too have seen strange lights in the sky in and around various areas of the community. Though some don't, she drew me a picture of the spacecraft a few years ago, which I still have. It's gray and almost metallic looking by the way she drew it. It has red lights on all edges of the bottom of the craft, along with a few green lights on the sides of it. If anyone wants to see the sketch, I will happily oblige. Story 2. When my mother was a child, Old enough to know when something is going on, was at home with her parents and siblings one night. A man whom her mother and family already knew and were acquainted with barged into the house, scared out of his wits. He lived in a cabin deep within the woods, some miles away. During his stay there, he reported poltergeist activity, orbs, and paranormal activity within the property and house itself. He would go on to tell my grandmother that reportedly he was tormented all night by a demon who threw pots and pans, glasses, and even furniture at him. This went on for almost the entire night. It would throw them completely out of the cabinets, almost hitting him with it. It also reportedly started knocking and tapping on the sides of the house and thumping the walls and ceiling. Finally, he mustered up the nerves to utter the Lord's Prayer and attempt to rebuke it in the name of Jesus Christ. This seemed to piss off even more and causing it to become even more aggressive and now would try to kill him with more heavier objects. He ran from the house and spent around seven to eight hours walking through the woods and rural country roads back to my grandmother's house. While on his way to the house, he reported that he could hear footsteps trailing him in the woods and next to the road, but he could see anything that continued this for several hours until he finally reached their house. Story 3 in the 90s in town sat a white brick house at the top of a small hill. A man and his wife lived for several years. The man was in his 40s or 50s, and the woman somewhere around the same age, I believe. Anyways, one day, while my mother was working at a local gas station where the woman also coincidentally worked at the man had called her saying that something was wrong with the gas in the house and he was going to go look at it to see if he could fix it. The gas was located in the basement. He went downstairs and laid on his back and crawled up under the thing to see what had happened. He lit a match and immediately the house exploded, sending rubble everywhere and a massive fire hall and smoke that could be seen throughout town. The man's wife, who saw the explosion from the gas station, 
ran home to discover the house gone and nothing left but its foundations. The man's body, as one might expect in a situation like this, was blown into pieces, with body parts even littering some neighboring houses. Since then it has become a local legend that the man's spirit haunts the house that was built on the land where the original one stood. The show Ghost Hunters, or maybe another ghost hunting TV series, actually filmed an episode here because of the experiences by the home's inhabitants, everything from pots and pans, rattling and stuff being thrown around to actual manifestations inside the residence. The dense Amazon jungles loomed before us, a labyrinth of greenery teeming with life and secrets. I led a team of 16 Navy SEALs with Vlad at my side, an occasional writer and a professor at a military college. Our mission, to investigate reports of a mysterious creature akin to the dogman terrorizing the local population. Little did we know that this covert operation would thrust us into a battle against a cryptid that preyed on our fears and threatened the safety of our homeland. As we ventured deeper into the heart of the treacherous wilderness, the air thickened with a palpable sense of unease. Shadows danced amidst the dense foliage, whispering secrets we struggled to comprehend. The jungle seemed alive, harboring secrets as ancient as time itself. We knew our adversaries weren't solely the dangers of the natural world. Something supernatural lurked in the shadows. One by one, our team members fell victim to the cryptid's relentless assault. Its presence was elusive, yet ever present, leaving a trail of death and destruction in its wake. The creature seemed to feed off our fears, manifesting as our deepest nightmares, exploiting our vulnerabilities with ruthless precision. Struggling to maintain our sanity and survival, we fought a battle on two fronts. The physical threats of the jungle intertwined with the psychological torment inflicted by the unknown entity. The line between reality and illusion blurred and our own inner demons clawed at the edges of our minds. Doubt and fear threatened to consume us, testing the limits of our training and mental fortitude. But within the chaos, the spirit of the Navy SEALs endured. We rallied, drawing strength from our collective will and the unyielding determination to protect our country from this supernatural menace. Each fallen comrade fueled our resolve, a reminder of the stakes at hand. In a climactic showdown, we faced the cryptid head-on. Bullets tore through the air, explosions reverberated through the jungle, and sweat mixed with blood as we engaged in a desperate struggle for survival. The creature fought with an otherworldly ferocity, seemingly invincible. Yet, in a stroke of bravery and calculated precision, we managed to find its weakness. Exploiting this vulnerability, we launched a final assault, pouring all our remaining strength into the decisive blow. As the cryptid fell, its body disintegrated into ashes, consumed by the wind that whispered through the ancient trees. We stood amidst the aftermath, the weight of our fallen comrades heavy upon us. Though the battle was won, it came at a great cost. Many Navy SEALs had sacrificed their lives in the face of the unknown, their bravery etched in our memories forever. We returned, weary but triumphant, to our homeland. The mission to neutralize the cryptid was complete, but the scars, both physical and emotional, 
would forever bear witness to the horrors we had faced. Being woken up at 6.30 a.m. to the start of a powerful storm that was originally forecasted to hit after we left the campgrounds. We had camped by a lake not near the shore, thankfully, and the winds became strong over 40 miles per hour at least, causing the tent to literally folding upon itself. And the rain was pouring into the tent as my husband attempted to reinforce the tent from falling over, causing the tent to begin to flood. I was inside literally trying to keep the tent from collapsing pushing against the side of the tent to counter the wind. After that, we had to scramble to get the outside equipment, cooler, cooking equipment, etc., into the tent, getting completely soaked in the process. My anxiety flew through the roof as I heard thunder in the distance and freaked out that Mother Nature would think one of us would make the perfect lightning rod. Luckily, we got that done quickly, but because we didn't want to stay in the tent, as it continued to take on water... We ran to our car and sat in it for several hours while we waited for the storm to subside. Happy to say that none of our expensive stuff got ruined, but so much stuff was soaked. Bedding, clothes, towels, etc. Since it was summertime, it got hot again by lunchtime, so we laid everything out on a clothesline we made and sat around until everything dried off. Oh, and since our breakfast plans were ruined, we went to Whataburger in the neighboring town and got ourselves a big breakfast. I'm a ranger at the Grand Canyon National Park, Arizona. It's an incredible job, and you get to meet so many new people. Apart from the obvious scenic advantage, the management there provides amazing service. Our rooms and stations are nice, and they renovate every year before the massive tourist rush. The meals are delicious and fulfilling. Anyway, yeah, well, I love the job. You might know that the Grand Canyon National Park also shares a boundary with the Navajo region. One of the questions I'm often asked by visitors, especially since I patrolled that side of the park, is do you ever have any strange experiences on that side, or if the Navajo people are spooky? According to our training sessions and briefings, the Navajo like to stay to themselves. That's a big reason why I have not really seen them near the park before. Now that I think about it, it was just the other day when I saw an older Navajo man, about 70. He had a hunched back in the typical Native American getup. I approached him, asked if he needed help navigating. He looked lost. As soon as I did, his eyes opened wide and grabbed my hands into it with a really strong grip. It even hurt a little. I don't think the old man had that much strength left in him. He pulled me, so I was staring into his eyes at eye level, and he spoke in a very hushed voice. He informed me that he had been looking for me since that morning, but had only just found me. When I asked if I knew him, he said that was irrelevant. His next words shook me. He was seeking me out to warn me about my death. I was speechless. I kept asking, Who are you? I didn't know what to think about it at that point. I asked him what he meant and told me one of the tribesmen was trying to learn magic and they fell prey to the evils that they could achieve with it. He was apparently said to become a skinwalker. Now, I don't know much about the Navajo people's beliefs or their faith in local stories or any other religions or factions' beliefs, but I didn't believe any of it. They were fairy tales to me. Fictional stories. It sounded so absurd. That's what I thought at the time. The old man was telling me tales, and I figured he was delusional. 
especially since he was so old. I shrugged off his words and began to walk him towards the gate that would lead him back to the Navajo region. The entire way he kept shaking and repeating as if in a stance that I needed to stay inside my cabin tonight and I should not come out no matter what happened. I led him to the gate. There were some other Native Americans already waiting for the old man outside. To my surprise, as soon as they saw the old man with me, they ran up to us and took the old man away at a speed that really made me think. Anyway, I watched them walk off and disappear off into the distance. I came back inside and got back to my daily duties and checking. The rest of the day was rather uneventful, with the exception of a couple of losing their kid in a park. We immediately helped them, and thankfully we found the child. After sunset, I went inside my unit and took a break. I ate some food and relaxed a little while. I was laying on my bed, reading a book. I heard this shriek in the distance. It was faint, but I heard it loud and clear. I turned to look at my radio, anticipating a voice on the other end, saying something about the shriek. There is nothing. I waited for a few more moments. The radio was still quiet. I just shrugged and went back to my reading. I heard the same sound again, this time a lot louder and closer. I was up and gearing up already. I thought maybe nobody else heard it, even though it would be strange. I left my firearm inside. I didn't think I needed it. And I rushed outside in the direction where I thought I heard the sound come from. It was a dark night and it was quiet, which is why the rustling in the distance was so clear. I heard the shriek again, and this time it sounded like an injured animal. It came from behind a tree. I began to approach it slowly, and I stopped dead in my tracks when something emerged from behind the tree. It was something I can't really explain. It was bent down on all fours and growling while looking down. There was drool coming out of its mouth. I took my flashlight from my pocket and flashed over it. That was a big mistake. The thing immediately hissed and stared directly into my eyes. They were pure black, and it scared me. I turned around and ran back. I had nothing to defend myself with. I could hear the thing running behind me. I ran in the direction of the ranger station, went inside, closing the door. I went into the security room and checked the cameras. The one focused on the door outside the station showed that this thing was chewing on something. I couldn't tell. Then it started walking away again on all fours. I stayed in the station until the thing was out of sight. I double-checked all the cameras. I went outside and straight to my room. The next day, I told the other rangers about it in the morning. They checked last night's recordings and were as freaked out about it as I was. We were now extra careful that night and the night after, but we never saw that thing again. And I could not get the old man who had warned me earlier out of my head. There was a secret camping spot in Oregon that I would go to with my friends often that was extremely hard to find, but absolutely worth the trouble. I decided to meet a friend up there for a weekend in May. When I pulled up, three hundred hundred yards down the road there was a man in a W bus with his dog. He gave me a wave, and I waved back. I then met up with my friend near the lake. My friend and I fished for a few hours and were the only people camping on the lake. When it got dark, I went back to my car to put away dinner supplies. To my left was the lake, maybe 600 yards away. Straight ahead was a road that lead to where the W.W. bus was, and to my right was thick forest. 
Right when I shut my car door, I heard a blood-curdling scream. It sounded like a woman, about fifty yards to my right in the thick forest. I could not move. I started hearing barking and looked up and saw the man and his dog next to the view bus. The man had a headlamp on which shined down on the dog who was barking and moving in circles, clearly freaked out by the scream. Then the man started running towards me and yelling, Did you hear that? I'm still freaked out by the noise. But even more freaked out by the dude said, Yeah, what was that? The guy stops near me and confidently says, Bigfoot. Here I am, a twenty-something female in the middle of the dense forest. My friend is too far to hear. And some crazy dude is telling me I just heard Bigfoot. He then gets close and says, You know who can protect us. Jesus Christ. Let me put a safety bubble around you. The man proceeds to create an invisible bubble with his arms around the area we are in, I probably awkwardly said. Thanks. And all I remember is running back to my friend. When I get back to him, I asked if he had heard the scream, and he said no, and I proceed to tell him the story. Either this was an elaborate prank by Jesus dude, or I heard Bigfoot, but the fact that the dog was freaking out still haunts me today. I decided to make this post because I've never come across a story that lined up with the beings I saw. When I was in high school, me and four other friends were hanging out and we decided to go to a park area at a nearby lake. So we park in the parking lot and start heading down the path that leads to this gazebo-covered picnic area with about six picnic tables under it. It's around eight, nine o'clock during the summer, so the sun is setting and it's starting to get dark. My friends and I are being loud and joking with each other, not really paying attention to everything around us, but I notice that there are two guys under the gaze boat. So I turn, and I'm like, guys, guys, there are people over there. So we look them for a second, and there's one guy that has his arms crossed and leaning up against one of the gazebo posts, and the other is sitting at one of the picnic tables with his arms on the table. They looked completely proportionate and human. One guy had a hoodie on with his hood up, and the other guy had a hat on. So I yell, Hey, what's going on? And I'll say anything or move. I decided to walk over to them, and one of my friends decided to follow me, but they were about five, ten feet behind me. I'm walking up to the gazebo and ask again, Hey, what's up, guys? No response. I'm still not noticing anything weird about them other than the fact that they aren't responding. I get about two feet away from them, and I approached in a way so that I had one to my left and one to my right. I look at the guy leaning on the post and notice I can't really see in details of where his clothes ended or if he had a mouth or eyes, and this guy's about four feet away from me, and the guy sitting down is about a foot away from me, and I look down at him and see his skin. His clothes were the same, as in they were like this fuzzy, almost pixelated black. He had a perfectly human-shaped face with no eyes, no nose holes, no mouth. At that moment I just freeze and it takes all my strength to get my body to start stepping back from them. I can't speak and there is no way I can turn around. It felt like my energy was being drained out of me. This whole time that was probably mere seconds but felt like a long time. They didn't move an inch or speak. I finally stepped back far enough, and me and my friend that followed me to off running down the path, and our other friends followed. It definitely was an I-should-not-be-here vibe from them, and very bad energy coming from them. My other friend saw them pretty close, and felt the same way I did. 
I can't explain it, but if anyone has had something like this happen to them, I would love to hear about it. I was on a ruck run or all-day land navigation course for training, and it's getting real dark in the woods, and I get the feeling I'm being watched. I figure it's one of the instructors shadowing me, so I stop and look out into the brush off the little game trail I was on, but I couldn't make anything out. I shake it off and keep on my way because this is timed evolution. Then I hear loud thumping footsteps, and it sounds bipedal and huge. I freeze up. And my natural night vision was kicking in a couple of minutes ago, and I see this big-ass tree, and I see something move behind it, and I figure it's just a hog or black bear because they frequent the area. Also, I'm trying to rationalize. I stand up tall and growl kind of throaty under my breath, not really loud at all, and not two seconds later this monstrous or demonic growl like in the movies when that monster roars like that happens. I'm a man of science, but at the time, all I'm thinking is paranormal, and Usain Bolt laser beam the F out to there until I make it to a checkpoint and catch my breath and try to explain to the watchman what happened. Naturally, they told me it was a bear and to stop being a bitch. This bothers me to this day. I have been to the zoo and heard lions roar. I grew up hunting with my family and heard grizzlies, too, and this wasn't that. It was so loud and alien, like something I've never heard before, and loud, like a metal concert. I felt real small and vulnerable that night. 